Hello, everyone, and we are live, episode 29. I'm here with Natasha. How are you? I'm good, Jamie. How are you? Really good. Thanks for jumping on today. Today, we're talking about Tasha's journey from zero sales experience to 20K a month in the matter of a few months. Cue the intro, and we'll be back in one second. Welcome to the Fitness Business Growth Podcast, a podcast run by gym owners, for gym owners. My name is Mitch, and along with Jamie, we are your hosts, and we will be discussing all the important things that you need to run a successful fitness business. From marketing, to lead generation, to sales, to retention, to staff, and much, much more. So if you are a fitness business owner, then this is for you. We hope you enjoy the following episode and we will speak with you soon. And Tash, we're back and you are live from Bali. I know. How crazy is that? I left Sydney and now I'm in Bali. <laughs> so you are the, you're actually a digital nomad that everyone claims to be. I know. I'm actually living the digital nomad life. I've been working on this for maybe the past five years, I would say. This has been on yeah. my long-term vision. Long-term vision. And what is the life of a digital nomad, Tash, for those who don't know? No one shows you the struggles. <laughs> the, the barley belly, the homesickness, a bit of loneliness, like when you leave your social circle, it's a huge thing. Um, stepping outside of your comfort zone, which is actually a really good thing as well because it's pushing me mentally, which is great. And I get to see a whole new place, you know, meet new people, try new foods. So what's it like, I guess, living in Bali compared to being a tourist? Because I've spent many nights in Seminyak, but I haven't actually <laughs> lived there. So it's a very, very different experience. Yeah, I'm in the heart of Chengdu in a little, like, not little, actually. We're in a three-bedroom house in Chengdu, but right in the thick with all the locals. And it's so lovely because everyone here is so polite. I come out in the morning, they're doing their ceremonies. My neighbor's like, are you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. It's just a different way of living. And what, what what religion's in Bali? Are they, are they Buddha? It's like a Balinese, they're spiritually Balinese people. Okay. It's their own thing. Yeah. In Bali, it's their own thing. Yeah. Okay. It's super cool. special. Cool. And are you being treated like a local now? Are they not ripping you off anymore? You're, pay, you're paying the real <laughs> price. You're paying the real price for the Ray-Bans? I will say my partner bought fake Birkenstocks and he paid $70. He got so ripped. we definitely got ripped off. <laughs> yeah, fire out. I'm sure I'm sure he said they were real he thought they were real it's fine they look real enough but now we're just sticking to the local prices which is yeah crazy cheap and like I guess like we'll get into the topic today but I'm just really curious about just living in Bali and working overseas before we went live I said to you I think I would struggle uh because I would be like out partying out drinking out living the Bali lifestyle did you have a week holiday before you got into your real life or what was that journey like from landing in Bali to jumping on a sales call nope the next day I just settled everything made sure I had working wi-fi and I was straight on the calls again um my partner and I made sure that, you know, we have decided not to drink anymore. So okay. just being completely sober, leaning into the spiritual side of Bali and just exploring on the weekends and going out every night to like salsa lessons or new restaurants and just kind of living the party life through that lifestyle, but still in a healthy way for us where I can show up every day on calls and still be my best self. Yeah, cool. So you're getting salsa lessons, is that correct? Yeah, well, I am yeah. Chilean, so I know how to salsa, but I think it's more for him. I had Pamela on our podcast last week. I'm getting married November 9, and I'm literally yeah. the worst. You've seen me dance, actually, the worst dancer on planet Earth. <laughs> so, I would so, say you're the worst. Almost the worst. Uh, but I need to get lessons for the wedding, so I need to book in some salsa lessons or some type of lessons. I don't know what I'm going to yeah, do. Nice. <laughs> That'll be like very the, beneficial. Yeah, I might just do the classic two-step taught in every Australian primary school. Yeah, as long as you've got the head nod, you're fine. Cool. Well, Tash, we met maybe six months ago, uh, selling for multiple high-ticket fitness brands across Australia. And what really impressed me about you, and I learned more and more as I went on, before you did a sales call, you had next to no experience <laughs> in sales. So I believe it takes time to get good at sales, but you can have certain char characteristics, certain traits that make you good at sales straight away. So Tash, what were you doing before you started selling $3,000 programs over the phone? 
Yeah, so I my sales experience, I would say, is from retail, <laughs> from uh, maybe 14 years ago, <laughs> selling clothes in glue store officials, that's it. Other than that, I've been in media, marketing, which I guess is, it's still sales, but numbers side of it, never talking to people, um, and then working as an LAC uh, for the NDIS, so in the disability sector, working with people with disabilities, being empathetic towards them, you know, kind of walking them through our packages that we had for them. So it's kind of similar. What does LAC stand for, sorry? Local Area Coordinator. So I would be the person who would meet with the people with disabilities and their families, find out what their needs are, um, because in Australia we have a really great disability scheme. I mean, here in Indonesia they have nothing. So we're very blessed where we come from. Um, But basically I'd find out their needs, put together a whole plan for them, get it approved with the NGIS, and then I'd walk them through their new paid supports on how their life could become easier with That's the support amazing. that I've given them. One yeah. of my good friends, James, is involved in a company called WeFlex and they actually nice. provide personal training to NDIS clients. And it's amazing. Like they can just literally sign up for it and they get free sessions, which is really cool. Uh, and the trainers get clients. So it's an absolute win-win-win. Yeah. No, I used to push PT a lot. Yeah, if I was to say that you are now one of the best fitness closers in Australia, quite often the job before it would not be an NDIS coordinator. So what skills did you learn from there working in media, doing a little bit of marketing Mm -hmm. that helped you transition into becoming a really great salesperson? I have always been a people's person, always been really, I guess you would say gift of the gab. As you can tell, I like to talk, (laughs) which is good. Um, I've always got words kind of flowing through me. I love to empathize with people and understand their situation and meet them where they're at, not where they want to go. So really getting on that kind of micro level and understanding what they're going through is super important. Um, For me, selling is just like serving. And that's what I did in all of my past jobs. I always loved helping people. I've been volunteering in different countries around the world with orphaned kids as well. Like giving and helping is just what I love to do. So, so that's service, just kind of come across. So servicing someone over selling someone. I like that. That's it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, meeting, um, yeah. and meeting people where they're at. Yeah. And just taking those two or three minutes to actually listen to them and to yeah. expand and to clarify and just to make sure that you understand what someone says and just really dive deep of like, where are you today and, and where do you want to go? Yep. 100%. And as one of my favorite mentors said, it's connecting, not closing. And who's that? Brooke. <laughs> Brooke. Connecting, not closing. I never got that line of her. Connecting, not closing. And I guess like working locally for the NDIS does not support your lifestyle as a digital nomad. So you, at some point you realize that, hey, like I want to work online. I want to have an mm-hmm. online business. And you mentioned that you are trained in NLP. So I'd love mm-hmm. to dive into that. Um, side of things because I am definitely not trained but I do believe in the power of what you say gives you thoughts your thoughts gives you feelings feelings gives you action so you're the expert Tash how did you get into NLP and how has that helped you that's NLP in a nutshell (laughs) it's a whole cycle yeah yeah it's just a communication framework so neuro is obviously our brain linguistic is you know the language that we use and then programming is our, our neural pathways that we're so used to programming ourselves so all these meta programs and subconscious beliefs that we bring on when we're young kids, you know, between the ages of three and seven, we have everything set in us. So it's about diving deep and understanding where that comes from. Does it still sit with us today? Is it suiting where we want to go? And then breaking those patterns to build upon the person that we want to be all with communication. And what would be an example of someone with a bad programming or NLP that is holding someone back from making a good decision? Oh, so many. And I still struggle with it as well. You know, a lot of people don't think that they're good enough. They're not worthy of making money. That's a huge one. A lot of us were grown up with parents with, you know, they said money doesn't grow on trees, right? So you get into the scarcity mindset when it comes to money and you grow up believing that. And instead of going towards money, you run away from money because you always think that it's going to run out right? So your yeah. scarcity. So NLP is always about moving towards abundance and things that are going to help you move to where you want to go. 
My parents were dirt poor, Papash, like dirt, dirt, dirt poor. And one of my best memories as a kid was on Saturday afternoons, my dad would go to the tab, the TAB, and gamble. And if, wow. if he won, we'd always hire a movie and get KFC. And if he didn't, we'd get $2 worth of fish and chips. So I was like, <laughs> I didn't even have to ask him. I just knew. But, um, it's sweet, though, that he did his best, though, for you. Yeah. One, one, one of my, my biggest drivers, Tash, I wouldn't say I've got a bad mindset towards money, but like my biggest fear is like running out of money and then having to get a job that I don't like. And for me, that will just break my heart or not have enough money to provide for my kids. And that's probably my biggest driver is like having enough money to live comfortably, to never have any fear. And if my car breaks down, I remember in my household, Tash, like whenever car rego would come around, it was a big deal for my parents and they'd push yeah. it onto us, right? So just having enough money just, just to live a great life. In regards to NLP with the language thing, so it's like, for, so someone would say, I've always been overweight. Mm. That's a bad pattern. Yeah. yeah, so when someone says words that are so global like that, we normally just say always. You've always been overweight. Or say, for example, I've never been able to control my weight. Never. Not once in your life. You've yeah. never been healthy. Oh, well, actually, no, no, when I was 10. Okay, so we have been there before. So it's just breaking them out of that pattern. And is there a way to break someone out of a pattern or is it just asking a, a better quality of questioning, better quality question, sorry, and just helping them as opposed to telling them, well, hey, like you weren't fat at birth. <laughs> <laughs> So obviously you can't be that direct to say it's that, but you have to walk them down a path to get them to the point where like, hey, like, yeah, okay, I was. Yeah, so that's NLP communication is questioning. So just keep going down the levels, just deeper and deeper and deeper until you get to the root of what's going on. So basically not paying attention to the branches, which is kind of like a little lies, if you want, that kind of cover the truth and getting to the root cause. So what I was saying when someone says, I've never been this, you just say never. And then you let them continue. And then you just keep picking apart the words that they're using and they'll start to unravel themselves. That's what it's all about. You Mm. get there yourself with me prompting you. The first time I I learned that technique was from Chris Voss, uh, one of my favorite books of all time. And I don't read a lot of books. So Chris, great book. Uh, (laughs) It was Never Split the Difference. And it is just literally what you said, repeating back the last three words. Oh, like I'm really tired. You're tired? Yep, because I, I, I never sleep well. You never sleep well. Yep, because I'm up all night with the kids. I'm so stressed. That's why I'm overweight. You're overweight because of the kids. And just all yeah. of a sudden, they just talk themselves out of it. Yeah, that's literally the beauty of it. You don't have to do anything besides listen and prompt and just be there for them. What's your biggest transformational experience you've had with NLP where you recognize someone had a really bad pattern, a belief, and you broke it down in a way where it truly held the, helped them realize, wow, like it's, it's my fault. I need to make a change. And these are the steps I'm going to take. Mm. The biggest transformational experience I've had has been with myself and helping myself and then working with a practitioner to break down my own stuff using timeline therapy, which is a bit more of an advanced technique, like going back to childhood, fixing what's happened there, and then coming back as a fully grown adult in this timeline. And absolutely slaying it. But in terms of working with clients over the phone, I get to use NLP every single day. So I think it was about two weeks ago, I sold this lady. She's in her 70s, no self-love, no confidence, like newly single, widowed everything. So kind of going through a new transformation in life. Never put herself first, always put the kids first, always put the husband first. And so she was stuck in that mentality of, do I spend money on myself? I don't deserve this money on myself. And so we got to break that down together and then she paid in full and she's having a great time, you know? So getting someone across the line like that, it's what makes it worth it. And servicing and not selling. Like it's so important and sales has such a bad stigma around like you are shoving this product down their throat. Even if you can shove a product down someone's throat and there are salespeople that have a tremendous amount of conviction that bulldoze people, it often ends in refunds. It often Mm. ends in buyer's remorse. And if that person hasn't made the decision, the likelihood they follow through on that program for 26 weeks and actually commit to the process, submit to the process is so much less likely. Yeah, 100%. Um, You've got to just be a proper human. 
that would probably be my number one tip is just be a good human. Don't shove something down someone's throat. You know, if they're really going through it financially, listen to them, logistically walk through it. If it's something that's not viable for them, don't push it because that will end up being a refund and it's going to affect your statistics at the end of the day, you know? So just being there and showing up as your best person to service them is the best tip ever. I went through a bit of a transformational experience with sales myself because I was the bulldozer and I was almost, (laughs) (laughs) I was almost proud of it back in the day. I was proud of it. Like I was uh, working on the stands outside of Coles and Woolworths doing gym memberships for pre-sales. Oh, wow. So I was the person who was stopping people in their track saying, hey, like we're going to have a chat right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And in that kind of environment when you've got 30 seconds, you have to be abrupt. You have mm. to be a little bit confrontational. You have to literally pattern interrupt someone from walking past you. But then yeah. over time what I found was sales can be incredibly draining if you are the hammer because all you do on the phone call is you're talking for 25 minutes and they're talking for five minutes. When if you ask the right questions and you use advanced NLP skills, they're talking for 25 minutes. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. No, the only time I really talk is in the pitch. <laughs> the rest <laughs> of the time it's just the client is just talking. I'm like, mm-hmm. yep. Like, tell me more. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, okay, you're ready to go forward. That's when I'll pitch and that's when I'll talk. Awesome. So you went from experience in NLP, nutrition coach. So you do have a background in health, working with the NIS, always servicing, always helping people into becoming a high ticket closer over the phone. And you went from zero experience to 20K a month, which I think is really special, which is why I wanted to have you on this podcast today. So run me through that first week that first month and what was it like for you did you struggle did you transition quickly and what were some of the biggest lessons that you learned yeah that was crazy (laughs) crazy. (laughs) i mean it's good because like um i keep hitting my targets which is awesome like the next thing that i do when i hit is like that 25 to 30k because once you hit like 20k 20k it just becomes a bit of a new normal which is strange for me that that old thing (laughs) that old thing um, but no, like I, I have been broke before I've been on Centrelink. I was arrested. So like I've had this whole thing where I've been in a negative loop in my life. And then I was just like, you know what? I love money. I want to make money. It gives me freedom to do things and explore places like this that I've always wanted to do. So I'm going to go ahead and put something on my vision board. That's going to give me time, freedom, location, freedom, and a lot of money. And that's, I that's the word for me, Tash. Yeah, that's the word for me, Tash. Freedom, as mm. in, like, I don't care about material, materialistic things at all. I just want to do what I want, when yeah. I want, and who I want. And if those three things are ticked off, like I'm having a podcast on Tuesday with a friend having a coffee, <laughs> life's good. Life's good. Yeah, exactly, hundred percent. Like, I get to wake up in Bali and either close off my calendars, you know, call leads, go to a salsa lesson on a Tuesday night if I want to at a beautiful beach club, you know, because I made this decision to move into this and become good at it. But yeah, that first kind of two weeks when I was on trial was like probably the most stressful time of my life because I'd never, never done this before. I'd never been on a sales call. I was like, holy shit. And then once I realized it was just having a real conversation with someone, listening to them about their needs, it became easier. And then every week was just a little bit easier and easier and easier. And I just was like, okay, let me learn from someone. I chose Brooke because she's like the best. (laughs) Learned from her, had a few mentoring sessions with her. And she just really set me on an awesome path of like believing in myself and connecting with clients. You are the fourth high ticket closer I've had on this podcast that have all will close a million dollars in 12 months. And they all say the same thing. It's having a conversation. And it almost sounds too easy it almost sounds <laughs> too good to be true like they got to be doing something what are they saying how are they pitching the price it's literally yeah. just having a conversation going into that call with the intention to serve with the intention to help with the intention to understand that the person you're speaking to does have a belief does have a limiting factor in their life which is preventing them from being happy i think it's also all of that but that word for me that you just said is intention right so 
you've got to go in with a good intention. You can't go in being like, I'm going to close them because I just want to make money. You know, you I need want to, to remove, close them. I want to- I want to remove the word close from my vocabulary because we don't close people. We don't close people. We close the door. Exactly. That's the thing. Like we serve people. And I heard this thing from Dean Graciosi the other day. And he was like, if you don't serve your client and they don't sign up with you, you should genuinely feel bad for that person because they're missing out on a total life transformation. That's how you should come into it. I remember there was a few people that I didn't sell. I was sale fails. And I knew what we had could help them. Like to my core, I thought mm. this lady absolutely needs this. She was saying some triggering language at the start of the phone call. I thought I need to, I need to guide her down this path. And when she didn't buy, I didn't give a fuck about the commission. I didn't give a fuck about the sale. I was like, what could have I said? What could have I done to yeah. help that lady get out of her own way? And I felt like I failed her. Yeah. Literally, and that's the way to be, though. Like, I've come off a few of those no-sale calls and I've just been like, my heart is hurting. And I'm like, like this, this woman needs my help. Like, how can I get her over the line? You know, I need her to see that she's worthy of this. And a lot of the time, it's honestly more money-wise. Women mm. being allowed to spend that money on themselves can be a little bit trickier to break. Those, those bloody husbands. <laughs> and the kids. Kids, kids come first. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah. So you had the you had the first conversation when you when you first I remember that for, I remember my first call. It was Saturday morning at seven thirty, and I thought, is someone going to pick up Saturday morning at seven thirty? And they did. And the best thing that happened to me was I had a lady who had four kilos to lose. I thought twenty six weeks Saturday seven thirty four kilos to lose. I'm going to let everyone down here, uh, and she actually bought. And then like I was like, wow, go me. <laughs> That's amazing. I honest, I think my first call was 7.30 at night mm. and it was a no-show. <laughs> so then I think it was an 8 o'clock that picked up and then I, yeah, I sold them and I was like, was that, was that me? <laughs> yeah. I think because you associate good salespeople as being like wearing a suit in an office, in a hot mm. box, in a call center, in a boiler room, and then you realize that just being nice usually usually wins. Yeah, it's sales is such a dirty word. When I say I'm in sales, I think people try and stop talking to me after that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, well, let, let me clarify. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, it really is a negative thing, and like, even on sales calls, sometimes I will literally, if I get the feeling that they feel like they're being sold, I'll say, listen, like, I'm not a salesperson; I'm a coach first. Like, mm-hmm. my passion is in health and fitness. Let's get through this together, and yeah. if you can had that conversation with them and you don't come across as a salesperson, you can say some wild shit on those calls and get away with it. <laughs> but this stuff, what, what I mean by wild shit is confronting, like confronting questions. It is going to get that person to question that belief. Yep. hundred um, percent. It's funny. I learned something from you when we were out one night and the line kind of stuck with me and I like to use it now. And you said, would you be opposed to, would you be opposed when, to? When I heard I you, I was, I was, I like, I was using an AP. I said, "Would you be opposed to having like twenty yeah. or thirty drinks tonight?" Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm like, okay, like, would you be opposed to putting your health as a priority so that you could show up for your kids in the best way possible? And who the hell is going to say no? No, are you, exactly. I'm, I'm opposed to being healthy. Exactly. Oh, I'm opposed to showing up for my best self for my kids. No one's going to say that. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I use it on Ellen all the time in secret uh, for when I want to go to this is my favorite Thai restaurant. I'm like, would you be opposed <laughs> to going to the Grange? She's like, well, I wouldn't be opposed. Like, okay, let's go. <laughs> but if I ask, do you want to go to get Thai tonight? She's like, no, nah, we had Thai yesterday. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah. And I, I, yeah. Got that from, I, got, I got that from Alex Amosi, one of his sales training videos. And I think the mm. word opposed, that, that style of selling, no base selling, also came from Chris Voss, that book, which is Never Split the Difference. Yeah. And I think I've told this story before, but I had a crutch. I was on a plane to Singapore. I tore my right right meniscus. My knee was really swollen, legitimately couldn't walk to the back of the plane, right? So I was one seat behind first class and I had the hostess come up to me. I said, well, like I said, listen, my knee's really sore. I've got a crutch here. I'm not comfortable going to the other end of the plane if it's going to be bumpy. Would you be opposed 
to me using the first class bathroom just just right there. <laughs> so of course not, sir. Of course I wouldn't be opposed. But Ellen, but but your partner can't come. Only you can. <laughs> That's amazing. I, yeah, like who's going to say no to that? Because then if you do, you come across as a shitty human. No one wants mm. to look like a shitty human. You know, mm. I the think that line too, is brilliant. Yeah, the other one too is sound fair. Sounds fair mm. enough. Sounds fair mm. enough. Yeah. So is, is it okay if I run you through the program investment and we can have an honest conversation after it about how you're feeling and what path that you want to go, go move forward? Sound fair enough? Yes. Because yeah. if, if someone isn't being fair enough, they're being unreasonable and people do not want to be unreasonable. Man, that's a good one. I have my little notepad out. I love learning from people who have been in the business for so long because I'm still like a new little sponge. I'm just soaking everything up. Lines like that, like I will use them. When I gave you that great line at dinner, that, that was before the 30 drinks. So I'm not that articulate <laughs> after, after those beautiful blue drinks we're having on night. <laughs> That's why I remembered it. I was like, okay, this is yeah. going to be the, the best line that I hear all night. Yeah, yeah. So I guess like from your first call, did you like, this is whether you're selling a program for 99 or a program for 3000, there is some nerves, there is some apprehension going to that call. How did you deal with that at the start? And more importantly, in the first week or second week, when maybe you weren't performing at the level you are now, mm. when you heard no, 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 how did that make you feel and how did you get past that? Initially shitty, but after doing like more sales training and more research, it's just like hearing no is just something that you have to get used to. You know, you're not going to be able to serve everyone. Not everyone is going to be at that stage where they're ready to accept help. And you can't change someone that's not ready because they will end up being a refund regardless. They need to mentally be there, financially, emotionally be there. Um, in terms of money-wise, though, I have quite a good relationship now with money. And the price of the program is, in my eyes, cheap for what it is. Yeah, and that's the thing about, like, particularly gym owners as opposed to online coaches. People look at it as a weekly investment. You are not mm. buying the effectiveness, you're not buying the enjoyable, you're not buying the sustainability, you are buying the outcome. Yes. And we had a client once, his name was Mark Barber. He's a lovely bloke. He lost 40 kilos right. and he lost 40 kilos in the space of like eight months. And wow. at that point, our membership was like 30 a week for our gym. This is like 2015. So he yeah. paid like 700 bucks to lose 40 kilos, right? Wow. And I said to him, I said, Mark, would you pay $7,000 to lose 40 kilos? And he, he would have threw his credit card at me. So like when you are helping someone make a big transition, you are helping them achieve an outcome they haven't done for the entire life. Like sometimes they will pay the amount required and it's not a weekly investment. They are paying for the outcome. Mm -hmm. I, a line that I really love to use that kind of sits really well with people is, um, you know, do you want to pay the farmer now or pay the doctor later? Like what's that like worth to you? Yeah, and then that's when they're like, oh, and I talk about it. how many how much how many medications are we on right now? Okay, so what does that look like in 10 years if we don't change? How many meds are we on then? Sometimes when people say that they don't think they're going to make it, I'm like, okay, so what's that worth to you to stay out of that casket? Like you just said, stay out of the ground or anything. Okay, so here's the price of what we do. Let's find something that works. Okay, you know, it's like it's not money for money. It's money for not dying, staying yeah, away from diabetes. Yeah, yeah. Like what's that worth to you? You know, yeah. it's just like, like if someone loses 40 kilos, it prevents them from getting a knee replacement in 10 years. Like what mm -hmm. is that actually worth? What is mm -hmm. that fucking worth to that grandma who can't get down and play with her kids? Cause her knee is so sore. Yeah. She can't get back up. Of course it's worth $3,000. Hundred percent. Yeah. However, grandma can't articulate herself that well. So <laughs> you need you need to ask those questions and bring grandma yeah. out of her shell. Right. And yeah. I think I think human beings are amazing at protecting their own feelings. Like they're amazing at lying to themselves and not confronting mm. the truth. And when you ask someone, no, 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 we're not moving on from this. Like, what is the outcome if you don't? Yeah. Yeah. Something I actually really struggled with, Tash, at the start was the cost of inaction. Because I'm a nice bloke. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you just and, said you're a bulldozer. Yeah, I, I was a bulldozer. Then I went the other way. I spent too much time with Brooke. Um, 
but I remember going through the why sometimes and, and I kind of had the prospect where, where I know they needed to be. And I thought, do I ask the cost of inaction? Do I, do I, do I, re, do I really go for it here? And yeah. I, I, not just myself, I find lots of salespeople struggle with it just to, to ask that next question, to ask that tough question. Because if someone's told you they're 40 kilos overweight, they haven't slept with their husband, and believe it or not, you hear it on calls, I haven't slept with my husband, yeah. I haven't been naked in front of my husband for 20 years. Yeah. Then, then you ask, so like, if you don't lose this weight in the next two weeks, two months, or a decade, like, how is that going to impact your marriage? Yep, 100%. I like to dig into that. That's a tough yeah. question to ask, but it, it needs to be asked because in her mind, just like grandma, she's like, oh, it'll be fine. Well, no, like it's, it's not going to be fine. Yeah, a lot of people don't like to confront that reality, but it's something that needs to happen. Again, that's NLP though. It's breaking you out of those neural patterns that you're so comfortable in where you blind yourself to the problems that you're facing. So 85% of the time I will go into the cost of inaction 15% of the time I actually don't because I've got women who are just like salivating and like throwing their credit cards at me. I'm like, yeah, cool, we'll do that. But the 85% of the time where they're still, you know, their whys aren't strong enough. So I'll be like, okay, well then why not? So what's going to happen there? And I'll ask them, I'll just say, play along with me. You know, I'll make it really light. And then I'll just dig in and be like, what happens if you don't? What does 50, like- 60, 70 look like? Yeah, I like that line, play along. Because it's not like they're, it's not, they're almost imagining it's someone else. Yeah. Yeah. It's been working really well. I've just started doing it. I would say in the last two, three weeks. And it just kind of makes the situation a little bit lighter. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. I'll play along. And then I'm like, okay, well, let's imagine your future then. 20 kilos heavier, 20 years. What's that do for you? Where are you with the kid? And they'll go silent for a long time. And one, of my favorite, one of my favorite things on sales calls, Tash, was doing going through the cost of inaction mm. and then they get really upset. It's confronting. They don't like it. And then to, to bring the mood back up, I'd say, okay, and now, like, let's say that you lose those 20 kilos, you have more energy, your relationship's better with your husband, you're playing with your kids. What, mm. what does that look like? And you can, see, you can fucking hear the smile on the phone. Yeah. Like sometimes yeah. they, they say, oh, I can't even imagine that. That would be so amazing. Yeah. And like you've just taken them to hell. Like yeah. their marriage might break down. They can't play with their kids to living their best life. And it yeah. goes back to if someone is in that hell and you can take them out of it and help them live their best life, of course it's worth $3,000. Yeah. Yeah. Before I pitch as well, I like to ask them a little if they're willing to accept that. So after we do the whole cost and action, I'm like, okay, so thinking about all this that you've just told me and I'll, I'll name it off the diabetes, the knee replacements, the medications, the heart problems, the divorce. Are you willing to accept that? Or are you in a mental space where you're ready to make that positive change? Cause I don't know where you're at. Are you willing to accept that is a similar question to, are you opposed to, of course they're Mm. not willing to accept dying. (laughs) Well, (laughs) It happened yeah. one, one time where one lady was like, hmm. And I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. It's an outlier though. It's an outlier. Yeah. That's such a great question. Are you willing, are you willing to accept that? Mm-hmm. If you're a fitness business owner and your membership is declining week after week, month after month, year after year, and the reality is, I always think about myself, like what would I do, right? So my worst case scenario is fitness business consulting fails, my gym's closed and I end up working back at Centrelink, which was my first job out of high school. And hey. I am not fucking willing to accept that. <laughs> but I <Centrelink>. like, <laughs> yeah, it was a great job. But I, I have visualized what is that hell? What am I trying mm. to work, work away from? And I don't think many people are good at that. Because I don't yeah. think like the shame of closing your business and telling your partner and getting a job that you don't like and giving up on your dreams. Like, are you, are you willing to accept that? Yeah. hundred percent. It sounds like you're more of a away from than towards. Oh, 100%. I don't want anything. I just know what I don't want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's funny. Like I used to be like that. Now I'm more towards, I lean in really. To, okay. What do I, what do I want? You know, but 
for a lot of people, that fear of what they don't want, it's a great driver. It's brilliant. I think being a business owner and having to get up day after day, regardless of how I feel and do the mm. things that I know I have to do, I have that. That's it's like it's almost like I have a manager in my head. Like, no, remember, <laughs> remember, remember, send a link. That's great, though. I, we all need that. February 9, 2012, I left and I'm never going back. <laughs> yeah, that was and, me. Yeah, same. February this year, last office job, never going back. Never going back. So when you, over the last six months, you've gone from first sales call to probably doing 500 now, where do you think your biggest improvement has come from? And if someone's listening and they want to get better at sales, like mm-hmm. what would your advice be to them? Definitely get a mentor, find someone who is better than you doing what you want to do already. So for me, that was obviously the top, top dog, which is Brooke. Um, Having one. Yeah. Top dog was Brooke. Having one-to-one sessions with her was super invaluable. Just yeah. Downloading as much information as you can from amazing salespeople like Dean Graciosi, like Alex Hormozzi, people who love, like we're saying, love to serve they're not just closing to close. They're closing because, well, they're serving because they know that they can change someone's life. So learn from those people who are wanting to actually make a difference and then take it all on and practice it for yourself. And the only way to actually learn is to get your feet wet, to actually do the work. Otherwise, if you don't jump on any calls, you're never going to get better. So it's just about, like Alex Hormozzi said, it's just the reps, right? Mm. It's the reps that we put in. It's a volume game. And yeah. if you haven't got if you haven't got calls and you haven't got leads to jump on, then I would strongly encourage that you listen to other people's great calls, or you listen to your previous sale fail. So me personally, I don't get much out of listening to my own calls. I just get tons out of listening to other great people sell. Um, and yeah. you stole my I opposed. Are you opposed to that? I steal everyone's best lines. <laughs> that's that's the game, though. You know, we're all here to help each other. And if something is resonating with someone and you're like, oh, that line really sat well, try it out for yourself, you know? But I would say I stopped listening to my no sales calls and I really focus on listening to winning calls. Really? And taking that on. Yeah. Yeah. I heard something the other day and I can't remember where it was from, but it was all the best like NBA players and all the best athletes. They always look at their best games as well get into that mindset where you're like, yeah, I've got this. You know what I mean? And you hear what you're doing on those winning calls and then just repeat that. And that's really yeah. helped me. Well, it's like you hear about, like, I love NBA. You hear about basketball players getting hot from, th- from the three-point line. You have days as a salesperson where you are hot, you are on, you are on <laughs> fire, and you sell, you serve, sell everyone. It's like, yeah. well, what, what about that day? Did I do differently? Did I sleep well the night before? Did mm. I call reviews before, before my sales call drive? Like just, you can get into a routine. You can get into a habit. And the best yeah. salespeople, like, you know what? Some of the best salespeople are also the most inconsistent salespeople where they go so hot and so mm. cold and they just can't mm. manage their emotions. Yeah. So it's something that I really struggled with when I first started doing high ticket selling was I would call it sales stamina. I suck. <laughs> I was, I was was tired. It's tiring. Yeah. And people think, oh yeah, it must be tiring sitting down on the phone all day. Listen, listen, it is. All right. It is. It's exhausting. A lot of emotions. Yeah. A lot lot of emotions are involved. It's a mental game, you know? So So how how do you manage your, your sales stamina? Yeah. I have a really good morning routine that I stick to. Um, And this is something that my team leader AP and I talked about a lot before he took me on and he was kind of like, do you have a morning routine? And I was like, well, just do you wait? I do. It's always been the same. It's a little bit different now that I'm in Bali, um, but it's always wake up, fasting, do my yoga, do my meditation, get into the right mindset, kind of zen out, you know, kind of clear any energy because if I'm bringing energy from like an argument I had or a scary movie that I saw or something, I'll bring that into the calls. That's just how I am. So I need to make sure that I'm coming in with a clean slate energetically and not putting that onto my clients because people are energetic beings and we'll pick it up super easily, especially subconsciously. So clearing that, 
having my protein shake, getting some sunlight and then getting into the course. That's the best morning routine for me. You absolutely take your emotions onto calls. Because if, yeah. if, I'm, if, if I'm a little bit grumpy, I may objection handler a little bit more yeah. aggressive than I usually would. Yeah, or if you wake up and you're a little bit in that I can't be bothered state, you won't objection handle. You'll be like, yeah, okay. All yeah. right, bye. Uh, listen, I listen to a ton of sales calls from our team with our done for you everything service. And sometimes you can hear that they're there, but they're not there. Yeah. Like they are, they are going through the script without actually paying attention. And there's key parts and information that you miss. And if you aren't listening, people will pick up on it. And more importantly, like that key piece of information, minute three into the phone call, that can be the difference between a sale and a sales fail. If you hang on, well, let's just explore that for a second. You've gained X amount of weight in X amount of weeks. Like what, like what happened there? And if you miss things and don't wrap them into your pitch, you will get a lot of sale fails. The other thing too, Tash, it pisses me off is like, if you're tired, if you're angry, you had a fight with a partner, it's hot, whatever the case may be, you know what makes you feel better? Fucking making sales. <laughs> like, yeah. like not, it is the highest form of dopamine on earth, I think. I have to agree there. It 100% is. When you close someone, especially when they're like, you've got the highest form of commission, which is like a pay in full or a big payment plan that's paid in full. And it's just like, okay, I made hundreds or thousands of dollars in like two hours. Amazing. I feel great. You know, let's do <laughs> yeah. more of this. Gets you out of the slump. Yeah. Um, the, the 20K commission months, it's a hard thing to hear for salespeople that make 5K a month. It's also a hard thing for here, to hear for gym owners that make $0. So... Mm. People will hear that and think you're lucky. And that goes back to NLP. That's a belief. Yeah. But we make our own luck, 100%. right? Yeah. So I guess what, what, besides wanting to have that digital lifestyle, be the digital, digital nomad, like what has led you to going from zero to 20K a month? Like at the essence, mm. at the core, why do you think this happened so quickly? Yeah. So I've asked myself this question quite a lot and I always end up with the same answer. Um, and I've been very open with my team leader as well about this. And my driver is just, I want to have a family in the next five to six years. So it's kind of like, these are my hustle, hustle years, as we'll call them. Because when I have kids, I want to have the opportunity where I don't have to work if I don't want to, or if I want to be on a sales call for one or two days a week maximum, that's up to me. And I get to spend the rest of that time raising my family. So making money now, investing that money, making my money, make money is super important to me because I want to be that mum that gets to spend all her time with her family and take them to Disneyland, like on a whim like that. Mm. That's what I am going to be. And so Tash, what happens, Tash, what happens if you don't achieve that the next two weeks, two months, or even a decade? <laughs> that's not an option for me, Jamie. You're not willing to accept that. Not willing to accept that. I already know what is coming for me because I've set it out. Like I'm very intentional with what I want. Not willing to accept otherwise. And that is Tasha's strong why. So Tasha's why is to be the world's best mum, to have unlimited freedom, unlimited time and take her kids to Disneyland and live the yep. life that you want to live. And yep. it sounds so cheesy and so cliche, but it <laughs> always comes back to like, like, why are you doing the things that you're doing? Yes. Like, and whether it is you're driven by what you're moving towards or driven away, mm. driven like myself from what are you moving away from? Yeah. Is that why at the forefront of your mind? Do you wake up thinking about it? Do you go to bed thinking about it? Because if you have a strong why, it's very, very difficult to not be motivated. Yeah. Every decision that I make now, I'm always thinking about my future family always 100%. So like you said, waking up, going to bed, some people may think, oh, that's overkill. Well, I'm still enjoying my 20s. Like I'm having a great time, but there's a part of me that's living for the now, but also planning for that future that I know I'm going to have. Because I know I can't just get to the age of 34 or whatever it is that I want to have my first kid and then scramble for money and start all those arguments. Like we don't have enough for my lifestyle, for the kids' lifestyle, that's what's not going to happen. 
So for me, it's starting now. So Mitch, my business partner, uh, he's having a baby like late October. So it's going to be a big change for both of us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because we are like in each other's pockets, right? I'm getting married. I want to have a kid too. And we had the same thoughts. Like, like I love our gyms. They are fantastic. I'll have them forever. But we need to build the business that we can actually step out of, have our trainers step into so that we can be amazing parents and amazing husbands and do the things that we want to do. And if anyone's listening, like I would encourage you to jump on a sales call with Tash and get super clear about your why. (laughs) And, And the thing is, like, it's really, I find particularly fitness professionals, salespeople, they're hypocrites. Because the same way you take someone through a sales call, a sales process, like, what's your current situation? I have $1,000. I want $10,000. How long has it been since you've had $10,000? What have you tried previously to get $10,000? I remember the script, Ash. Like, why is having $10,000? Why is having $10,000 so important to you? What happened? It's just, it actually works on every single thing. Like, every single goal that you want to achieve in life, take yourself through situation. Problem awareness, why haven't you got it? Like, what have you done previously? Yeah. What has worked? What hasn't worked? Why is it so important to you? And then get fucking crystal clear. Like, what happens if you don't achieve it? And are you willing to accept that? Yep, 100%. If everyone knew their why, like their core why, so many of us would be in different positions in life, different industries, different family structures, different partners. But it's taking that time to understand what it is at the core that you actually want and why you want that. It's something Mitch and I picked up on, like people don't surround themselves with good people. Mm. And if I have a good friend that does something stupid, I'm going to fucking call them out. Like, what? Are you, what why, why are you doing that? Like, yeah. are you aware of the, the impact that has both positive and negative? And yeah. I think if people don't surround themselves with good people, they do stupid shit. They get away with it. No one calls them out. No one addresses it. And then before you know it, they've made bad decisions for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very blessed that I'm, I do have really good people around me, just good, kind-hearted people that are always trying to kind of level themselves up in their own way. You know, that for me is the beautiful thing. My circle is very close. That's how I like it for a reason. I've got about five friends. I love them all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, if you can count them on one finger, then I think you're doing good. Yeah. Lots of the stuff that we talked about, Tash, on this podcast, it's things that you hear often from the people that we look up to, people who aspire to be like, which is just like, serve, don't sell, mm. like be a good human being, have good intentions do the right thing by people, treat people how you want to be treated, surround yourself with positive people and understand your why. And yeah. all these things are things that people already know. Overweight women know about the calorie deficit. However, yeah. we don't do it because what we all need and what we all truly need is that accountability. Yeah, <laughs> that's the key word. It really, yeah. really is like you can get the, if you want to learn how to sell, go listen to Jeremy Miner's podcast, go listen to Alex Mosey's podcast, Matt Ryder's podcast, Dean Graziosi, Jordan Belfort. You know where to find the information. However, yeah. once you start selling, you need that feedback. Yeah. And it's feedback that Alex Mosey can't give you or Dean Graziosi. It's feedback that someone can give you who has gone through the exact same sales call to identify yeah. what went wrong. Yeah. That's why I said like finding that mentor, someone that you can lean on um, and ask for that feedback. I mean, AP, my team leader, fantastic feedback. (laughs) In the beginning was just like, oh my gosh, this is so good. I remember my first ever interaction with AP and I'm very, very blessed to call him a friend now. Uh, He was almost confused. He's like, what, what? Because I had the gyms, right? He's like, why are you applying for this job? I said, oh, I think I I could sell. I really want to find out. (laughs) It's one of the best. And then like about a month later, I had a killer month. It didn't take me yeah. long. And he said, he said, I can, I can, I can assure you, you can sell. Yeah. Right. Okay, so, cool. I'm good. Yeah. And I, I guess for me, like maybe you can, you can break me down here, Tash, with your NLP. Like I have such a strong identity as a good salesperson. <laughs> and, it would have broke, 
and it would have broke my heart if I wasn't. So I had to find out. Yeah, but see, you were a good salesperson because you identify as a good salesperson. So that mm. just comes to the whole point of you create your own reality. So what you think you are, you know, if you think that you're shit, you're going to be shit. If you think that you're great, you're going to be great. You believe that. And so it is. Fundamentals of the universe. <laughs> yeah, of course. So just, just <laughs> believe in yourself, have that core identity. So yeah. yeah. Tash, the next six to 12 months, what does it look like for you living the digital nomad lifestyle? Six to 12 months, um, continue enjoying Bali, hop over to Thailand, maybe Japan, Philippines, Vietnam, all the good stuff there. Just kind of go where the wind takes us, my partner and I. Um, Yeah, keep selling, keep investing, keep growing financially and spiritually, emotionally, mentally. This is a big like growth period for me. So I'm going through some growing pains but I'm loving it at the same time because I know where I'm going to be. It's going to be awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. Every single year I thought I can't get much better at marketing and sales. Like I've, I've had a great year. And then every single year I look back and think the old Jamie sucked. Like yeah. that got, I, I actually, the further you go, you realize just how much you don't know. <laughs> and that's the whole point though. When you're constantly learning, when you're constantly improving, that's where true joy and happiness comes from you know, getting better every single day, every single year, every single month. That's the goal. You know, be better than you were yesterday and you've done a great job. And Tash, before you go, I want to explore one more thing. You have your own coaching program where you help people with NLP. Tell me about that. How does it work and how would people contact you? So you can find me on Instagram at Natasha Alexis Coaching. If you do want to explore, you know, your own whys um, and where you want to be and all of that kind of stuff, you know, I'm always there to give you advice and start breaking down, you know, your meta programs and seeing what's not serving you. So we all have it. There's nothing to be ashamed of, um, but it is a very emotional journey. So I would say if someone's emotionally ready, then reach out. Yeah. I'm going to book in a call, Tash, because I'm addicted to Pepsi <laughs> I need to get off it. That's, that's a whole different, we can explore that later. <laughs> well, Tash, I want to thank you so much for coming on. As I mentioned, uh, I am so impressed by you. When I first met you, I thought, who is this girl and how is she selling so well so quickly? She reminds me of me. <laughs> thank you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But seriously, to go from zero to 20K a month is absolutely amazing. Um, and I truly think it comes down to just being a good human being. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Thank you. Right back at you. It's good humans that win the race. Absolutely. Well, Tash, thanks for jumping on. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jamie.